Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. On this episode, I've lost two businesses. <laughs> One of them, you know, a spectacular failure from a business that was doing 10 million a year, 200 staff and eight offices around the UK. And that was your business? My business, I just founded it with another lad, yeah. Now, here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Made Easy, the podcast by the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anita Baldwin, and I'm here with my partner, sorry, my work partner. She's not my girlfriend. <laughs> I forget what to call you sometimes. Anyway, I'm here with Anna Geary, um, and today we've got a fantastic episode for you. We have um, been interviewing someone that Anna actually used to work with and has known for many years called Johnny Cooper. Um, and Johnny has pretty much um, had four marriages, three businesses, uh, one bankruptcy and he talks us through all of that in this interview so it's amazing and he also came out of the great line and wrote down I liked it so much which said uh, don't be intimidated by your competitors because they've got the same number as cake of cake holes and bum holes <laughs> how can you be how can you be intimidated by someone like that that's what we'll call this one cake holes and bum holes <laughs> with Johnny Cooper. You'll appreciate that as well. They'll like like that. Okay, let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Thank you very much for being with us today. How are you? I'm really, really well, thank you. I've got a Friday feeling. We're recording this on a Friday. Just to position this as a moment in time, it's the very first time there's been a Grand Prix in Mugello in Italy. And I'm so looking forward to watching the cars zooming around this high-speed track. How exciting. Anna was telling me earlier that you used to have a racing car and be a racing driver. Is that true? Uh, I don't know whether anybody can be a racing driver. I think once you've learned to do it, it's always in your blood. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing a track day in a couple of weeks' time, actually. Always cars, not motorbikes. No, no not motorbikes. That's just silly. So as a successful business owner um, who has, I think, I'm right in saying, been a successful business owner, lost it all, been another one. So, you know, you're not you're not um, shy of like setting up a successful business and knowing how it's all done. What would your main tip be then? Just keep at it. I mean, work, work on yourself, work, work on your mindset. Um, I, I'm in a community now, as you probably know, uh, my, my Facebook group and my tribe is coaches and therapists. A lot of those people being, you know, what you might call heart-centered entrepreneurs who are themselves, you know, often very sensitive people and very easily uh, disappointed, you know, very easily demotivated. Um, a lot of them have come into into the therapy business um, from, a, from a history of therapy themselves, you know, from suffering with depression and mental anxiety and all that kind of thing. Um, I, I, it just occurs to me that's the first thing to work on. You know, I've had some major setbacks in my life, things which just felt like, I can't believe this is happening to me kind of things, you know. Um, but, you you know, you just got to realise that you're still living and breathing. Um, you'll, you'll come out the other end and something better is is bound to happen. So the, the, the roller coaster nature of, of, of life, I think, is, is, is just part of the deal, isn't it? You know, you've got to take that for granted and work out coping strategies so that you can handle stuff. I mean, I'm on my fourth marriage. Are you? I've lost. I've lost two businesses. <laughs> um, one of them, you know, a spectacular failure from a business that was doing ten million a year. You know, with wow. eight, uh, two hundred staff and eight offices around the UK. And that was your business. It was my business. I just founded it with another lad. Yeah. Um, wow. We, we, we had Ferraris. We had a villa in Spain that we bought on the company. You know, we had a one point two million pound house and a private estate. How do you pick yourself up and do it all again after that? 
I think just a deep understanding of who you really are and what, what really matters. I mean, all that stuff is just fluff, isn't it? It's just window dressing. It's nice fluff, though, isn't it? <laughs> and when you've made it all yourself... I'm not at all trying to... Uh, Try, try, trying to say that the life of a, of a millionaire isn't more fun, um, pr provided you you got the basics in place. I mean, money's just an amplifier, isn't it? Ultimately, I mean, if you're an obnoxious asshole, uh, you're going to be obnoxious and an asshole whether you're poor or rich, aren't you? And mm -hmm. the, the more money you have, generally, if you're an asshole, we all know people like that. They just become bigger assholes, don't they? <laughs> so I, I think fundamentally, starting to to, to, answer, to answer your question, you know, if you understand who you really are and what your values are, um, and, and I guess skills that that don't go away, you know, I mean, you don't you don't forget how to be successful just when you become a failure. You know, you've still got all that stuff that got you there in the first place. self-worth, isn't it? And and the work yeah. within yourself not being connected to. Um, doing doing really well and i think if you mm. if you don't come from much and then you get to there and then you lose it and you've not worked on yourself throughout it then it, it i think that hurts people more doesn't it but like it's interesting what you yeah. say about i never really thought you know about your coaches and therapists like that's how most people get there is because they've been there themselves and that's what wound them up being coaches and therapists I me mean, obviously oh, yeah. this is a marketing podcast so you know we do we get really frustrated with the people that we help with that when they're not trying to get people's head around the fact like they want to ask us oh, how much should I charge an hour and trying to get people's head around the fact that it's not about the hour of your time and what that hour of your time is worth it's about the outcome that you can provide for that person a lot is. of people get of so hung up on like yeah but I can't charge any more than 30 40 50 pound an hour and it's like what are you talking about that they're not paying for that 60 minutes that's not what it's about and and to us people that been in marketing for years um you know it's obvious isn't it but for people that mm -hmm. are come to this because of you know that you know they're not business people they're not people that have got this background it's actually all new mm. stuff which still blows on i think, I think as well it depends what what business you're in i mean i'm not i'm not letting everybody off the hook with 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 those kind of faulty mindsets but you know you and i anna you know you, you we've we've marketed and sold physical products haven't we yeah. um we, we sold hot tubs for a hot bit tubs, i don't really yeah. tell the nature about this and it tells me that you're like you could sell snow to eskimos <laughs> you're the best salesperson <laughs> I, don't know I, want, I don't know i want to but Sand to Eskimos would be more useful, wouldn't it? Because stuff, <laughs> stuff from slipping on the snow. Wouldn't it? But if you sell a physical product, um, and, and you know, we, we had a feel for this, didn't we, when we're selling the hot tubs? Um, th there's an element of commoditization. You know, people have got a lot of choice with hot tubs. They can buy something really cheap. There's always somebody cheaper than you. That doesn't apply in the example you gave. You know, of coaching and and, and therapists and consultants and those kind of things. You know, it, we're all we're all unique and and. If we can find a value point with our ideal client that that means life and death to them, you know, and I, I encourage all my clients to think of, you know, how, how can you be invaluable to your client? How can you get your client to understand that not just that you can help them, but that you're the only person who can help them? And then you move yourself out of the commodities downward spiral, don't you? It's never a race to the bottom then. Yeah. You know, if Johnny Cooper's the only person who can get your coaching business on track, then why would you even argue about the money yeah exactly because i'm the, I'm the only person who can do yeah. it and, and, and that. That, 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 that's where you need to get to it as a personal brand you've got to say well okay i, I know i'm unique and, that, and that's pretty glib and obvious isn't it we're all unique just like everybody else 
so it's, it's not about that. It's about identifying an ideal client who recognizes you as the only solution to, to their problem. Yeah. Um, and, and doing that foundational work enables you to walk out into the world and say, hey, you know, it, it, it's me. I'm here to solve it. You know, like, let's let's get going. You know? That requires a lot of mindset shifting in that you've got that ultimate belief in yourself that you are the only person that can help this person. If you've got any like confidence issues, you're never going to get to that place and you can't convince somebody else of it if you don't believe it yourself. I, th I think there's a misunderstanding about that confidence thing as well, Anita. You know, I think, you know, sitting in a darkened room trying to build your confidence up um, is a zero-sum game. It's never going to happen. Confidence comes from uh, successful client acquisition. So if you start a conversation with people, like your ideal clients, and some of them buy, then you'll start to build confidence. You start to think, well, hang on, maybe I have got something after all. You know, that mm. person just paid me. And that person just paid me. You can't generate confidence first because that's just going to be based on nothing, isn't it? It's going to be fake mm. confidence. It's going to be an ego as much as anything. So people often ask me, you know, if you could leave with like one success tip, what would it be? And I'd say, well, just start a conversation today after this call with one person who looks like your next ideal client. How do you suggest they go and start that conversation? Like online, through what? Come on, I mean, it, it's it's our fingertips, isn't it? The whole world is at our fingertips. You can connect with with anybody. You know, Brooke, Brooke Bounds, a, a coach in my group, just posted today to say that she just had a conversation with um, Oprah Winfrey's next door neighbour. Oh wow! Yeah. Just goes to show how close we are. How close we are. Anybody and everybody is, is available to us. We've secured Tony Robbins's son for next month. <laughs> Tell you a link. Yeah. Well, it's, not, it's his it's son, it's Tony job. Robbins' his son. It's a good so, job I yeah. got in first, isn't it? Yeah. But no, it, it, it is, is the thing with that, with that, um, you know, how do you start conversations? It's, it's as simple as this. It's about getting a clear idea of who your ideal client is, what they look like, where they hang out, how to spot them in a crowd. They have to be outward visible to you. And, you know, a great misunderstanding around this comes from... You know, the kind of post where people say, oh, I, you know, I know exactly who my ideal client is. I just can't find them. They're not your ideal client then, are they? Yeah. Because for someone to be an ideal client for, you have to be able to find them in numbers. Otherwise, that argument exactly. makes no sense. It just falls down, doesn't it? Yes. So they can't be in Duran Duran, which is what we always say. Just find some way uh, in which your client distinguishes themselves and shows themselves in a crowd. They might be high-performing HR managers. We've done that as a, a client niche a couple of times, and that's really good for anxiety because HR managers are always screwed up in, the, in their head for, with, the, with the job they're doing, you know? Yes, they are. So, yeah. I used to be a recruitment consultant. Exactly. So, but find, so find, they're the enemy. Find, HR find some external markets where you can find these people in numbers and then just tap them on the shoulder one by one and go, hey, you know, I feel your pain. Let's have a chat, see if I can help. Yeah. Um, and, and this concept of coming from a point of service rather than a point of having to make a sale is strangely enough what will make you sales. Yeah. If, yeah. if you go out exactly. there and say, shit, I've got to sell to somebody today, you probably won't. Yeah. But if you set yourself a goal of I'm going to start a conversation with someone today, you probably will because that's not as hard, is it? It's not a lot less daunting, isn't it, to go out and do that? Yeah. You're not attached to the outcome in any way. You're just having conversations That's with people. Totally. Such a biggie, isn't it, outcome detachment? You know, there's never a client-shaped hole in your business that only they can fill, you know. And if mm -hmm. you enter every conversation with that in mind, then you, you'll find more clients than you could ever, ever need, you know.
Yeah, and it's also about knowing who your who your client isn't as well. So when <laughs> people that aren't your client are saying to you, "Oh, but you, I think you're too expensive," or "You should do it like this," politely nod, but then just knowing yourself that actually you're not you're not my yeah. ideal client. Well, so you you should do that do that practically every day on social media. Have you got into the defriending thing? I'm trying yeah. to clean up my Facebook, but it's so hard to. I just I would look. I was even tempted to just like just delete everyone and then go oh sorry, sorry. Yeah. all my yeah. people are deleted if you well, we, we've me. got to the point in my facebook profile now where facebook only shows me a suggested friend mm. coaches and therapists nobody else right That's good. so so we so we friend them like that. we've kind of educated the algorithm mm. but part of yeah. keeping that part of keeping that algorithm process alive is binning people who are not coaches or therapists and yeah. not or binning coaches and therapists who haven't agreed to join the group because once they get in the friends network they get an invitation to the group you see yeah so we're, we're very fastidious with that we only want to connect with people who might want to work with us and once you see social media in that in that light everything changes because you stop just building random communities yeah you get objective and almost cold-hearted about it it's a business tool and you want to use it for business yeah exactly and people are too emotional about it aren't they and that's what we help people yeah. we like to, the, the clients that come to us feel like right forget about using it for somewhere that you look at your cat pictures or um you know pictures of your, your mates on holiday or whatever it, that's not what this is not what your facebook is for anymore you can set up a whatsapp group for that to, well, you, well, you, well, you, you know what it's like when you when you see someone who does post a picture of their cat and they get 100 likes mm. Um, they get a dopamine rush from that because they, they realise yeah. that, oh, they're really popular. A hundred yeah. people have liked it. But th those same people have liked your picture, just scrolling through their feed, liking freaking everything, probably. Yeah. Um, and, and not only that, you know, wh when was the last time you could have a conversation with your bank manager and say, I know I'm going to raise my mortgage, but look at this. <laughs> how many likes I've got. Look how popular my cat is. <laughs> give, me more, give me more money, Dad. Definitely. I'm really interested to know, because obviously you started your career, if you like, um, as a pianist, didn't you? Like, as a, literally as a kid playing the piano. So how does one go from, like, let, tell us a bit about your piano playing, what sort of level you got to, what different things you got, your cruises that you played on and things, and how that led to, like, actually deciding, oh, I better go and do something a bit more grown up now. Or well, not grown up, but different. Well, it's, it's, it's a journey that's way back in the past. So so my my anecdotal memory of this is probably not entirely accurate. Um, but I think it was a Tuesday afternoon. I was driving up Stratham High Street, that bit's right, uh, in an old Austin Maxi. Those of you in the UK might remember one of British Leyland's disasters of the 70s. The car was absolutely knackered. Um, the back seats were folded down and the car was full of gear. So I had a massive speaker, an amplifier, electric piano. I think I had a, a disassembled Hammond organ in two pieces, which is you know about 500 kilos <laughs> um, and a bunch of other gear. And I got to the traffic lights in Stratham High Road and hit the brake and the front wheel fell off. And, and I knew that because it, it lurched over to one side. You see, and I got out and I could see the wheel was at a, a jaunty little angle. So I found my mate, Bernie, and he brought his van his transit van, and we loaded all the gear. I ripped the number plates off the Austin Maxi, and I stopped being a professional musician at that point because I realised, you know, um, that I couldn't make a living doing it. It was an utter and complete waste of any more of my time yeah. trying to scratch a living play, playing music. Um, I have no idea what happened to the car. I think the police turned it away eventually. It wasn't their 
It was there the next day, but it wasn't there two days later. I just left it in Stratham High Street. You just left it. I used to drive it up on the curb, I'm going to say, from memory, right? So it was half on the road. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but it had gone in a couple of days. Never, I never heard any more. I, I pulled the number plates off. I got back to the digs where I was living. Mrs. Pearson was my landlady. Mrs. P, we called her. I was paying her 15 quid a week to live in her house, and she gave me all my, all my meals. Um, I know, bless her. But I, she got the London Evening Standard, the Evening Standard, right? And I, I opened it. I went to one of the back pages. And there's a little ad in the, in the job section. Uh, it said, uh, closers wanted, £1,000 a week. I, and I'd been earning like 15 quid a gig, right? Yeah. And doing two gigs a week. So I thought, this is ballistic. This is incredible. Well, I had no idea what a closer was. I was going, <laughs> sounds interesting. I'd probably do that. I'd, I'd used to closing things like doors and stuff, you know. <laughs> so uh, I rang this number up. Went along for an interview. It was Moben Kitchens. Mm. They're still going, aren't they? They're still going, yeah. Mm. Um, what I call a hairy arsed sales network, you know, mm. of my, most, in fact, all blokes, I think. Um, who were trained just to sit in somebody's house, in somebody's kitchen specifically, draw a, a, a shitty little sketch of what the kitchen might look like and stay there until they bought it, you know. <laughs> that was the thing, weren't it? Just <laughs> that good old technique. I, yeah, yeah, I remember people coming to my mum and dad's house well, and mum, they, they had no money and they'd be trying to sell something and like, yeah, they just don't leave. <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was there was no no nuances. It was binary. It was either a sale or it was a pitch and miss. Hmm. And the, the, your P and M ratio was was the, the thing which decided how quickly you got fired. Basically, yeah. Um, the, there was no coming back. If they if the manager manager would call in the next morning and say, "Why don't you buy it?" Blah blah blah. He'd offer them a discount. If he made the sale, it wasn't your sale. It was the oh. it was the, the office sale. You know. So 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 you had to do it. So I, I, I just learned to be nice to people, to start conversations. Um, Right from the get-go, I was never like the other guys. I mean, one guy said, look, all you've got to say is, when you're putting a price together, he says to me, this is my Cockney accent, by the way. <laughs> all you've got to do, right, when, you, when you're putting the price together, um, look her in the eye and say, right, let's see how much she loves you. As in the husband. Yeah. yeah. There's there's one be sitting next to the wife, and you say to the wife, right, let's see how much she loves you. Because obviously them, the kitchen's for her. You, you give yeah. them the price. <laughs> You give them the price and she'd be kicking him under the table, you know. Oh, gee. So I never did that. I hated that right from the start. So I was just friendly. I was just, and I'd, I'd walk around demonstrating how, how, where the things would be. Just imagine you got a really tall cupboard in, you just open it, all your stuff. And you'd, oh, lovely. I'd love that, you know. And, and just, just, just getting involved with it. So that, that's my philosophy in sales now. It's about listening very deeply about, you know, what it is they actually want, what the biggest challenge is that you can help them overcome, you know, what the biggest dreams and goals are that you can help them towards. And then just, just map out a future that looks like you can you can help them with that, you know, and they'll they'll love you forever and, and some of them will buy it, you know, from that point. So that, that was my transition. That's my kind of potted history. And I, I got a bit fed up selling kitchens because I got really good at it and my earnings hit, hit the ceiling based on, how many pitches you could do in a week, you know, mm. only a certain number of leads that you could, you could serve. So I think, um, I think I had 14 grand in a month commission income, something like that. Wow. I couldn't, I couldn't go any further from there, basically. That just seemed like the top. Would you, um, like, obviously it would have been a long time ago as well. So, you know, to get that in a month. I was in the mid eighties. Yeah. So I bumped into this guy who said, you know, we should, 
set up a business doing financial services. And I said, why? Well, he said, there's no limit to how much you can earn in financial services. Your earning will be in line with the earnings of your average client. Mm. So j- just think about a product, you know, a commodity like a kitchen or, or a hot tub. You know, even if you're sitting with a multimillionaire, the hot tub only ever costs 10 grand. Yeah. You can't charge him 70 grand for it just because he's rich, you know. Yeah. Whereas in financial services, your earnings are in line with the earnings of your average client. If you're getting commission on investments and someone invests 1.2 million, uh, you'll earn 3% of that rather than 3% of five grand that somebody's putting in an ICER if they're a school teacher. You know? Yeah. But you didn't have any previous experience in financial services. What we did was we, we spent a year in commercial union working for an insurance okay. company. that They've become Aviva since. Um, and, and we kind of learned some basic chops there. But again, that was a horrible sales environment. I remember going into the sales manager one day and saying, boss, I've, I've run out of leads. And he spun around in his chair. I remember this fat, g- grinning idiot that was the manager of the office. He threw me the yellow pages. He goes, hey, <laughs> how many leads do you want? But what I love is the attitude where you go, do you know what, I'm going to go and work in that. No prior experience, but I see that's where the money is. And, you know, it's about relationships and conversations, which I know I'm good at. So I'm just going to go and do that. Whereas so many people faff around for so long thinking, what can I do? What can I possibly do? And it's just... It was an overnight transition. I just, I just, yeah. I just left Mobile and went to this new office. And um, I mean, the, the, the other thing about that is that um, we saw the opportunity to, to build a business. And I, you know, I always had a an instinct for want, wanting to build a business. And we did. We started in 95. And by 2003, when we sold, it was you know, it was an eight-figure business with 85 financial advisors working for us because we understood the fundamentals of of marketing. And we provided everybody who came to work for us with weekly leads. Most, most people are good at delivering change. I don't know if you've spotted this, but whether they're coaches or consultants or advisors, they're, they're terrible at marketing because it's, it's just a different skill set. It's totally different, yeah. And, um, and financial, financial advisors, absolutely, you know, to, to this day, um, they, they don't have a marketing strategy between them. You know, they just rely on people referring other people to them. Yeah, and it's worked for them as well. But how much better it could when be. When times are good, when times are hard, you yeah. need to have some other strategies under your belt, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Combine them both, then it makes a world of difference, doesn't it? If you can do, be doing both things at the same time, being proactive and going out and getting the business rather than just waiting around for one of your mates to send somebody else to you. And what we've seen, the difference now in how the world works, that's, that's another question I've got for you actually, is like the changes that you've seen in business, in like your lifetime in your in your career if you like in terms of tech and how much easier it is for people to have a business now and how much easier it is for people to go out and and build and get far far more clients than ever before because of how things are how the world works right now i don't want to state the bleeding obvious but yeah in a in a world where all your ideal clients are online uh, you need to be online too and that doesn't mean just you know having an internet connection uh, it, it means um, showing up in a very clear and authentic way, having a, a personal brand that you're managing. We talked about this yesterday in the Inner Circle call, actually. Um, I, I asked the community, there's about 35 people on the call, and I, I asked them just to type yes or no in the Zoom comments. Um, do you have a personal brand? You know, half of them said no. I said, well, there's only one right answer. The answer is yes, you do. Uh, the fact is you may not be managing it. Yeah. Well, everyone's a personal brand. As soon as you open a, 
uh, yeah. Facebook profile. I wonder people why are, they don't realise that they are. People, they are. People because they haven't like paid any money into getting a personal brand off of a shelf off of somebody that's an expert in that or something, so they don't feel mm. that they can say, "Yes, I've got that." Well, your personal brand is simply this: it's mm. people's impression of you when they yeah. when they come across you. What do people think you do? Number one. Um, it's mad, isn't it? We've got so many people wanting to join the group uh, with their personal profile. May have a quick look at it. We've no idea what they do. They don't even <laughs> say they're a coach or therapist. One of the first, well, obviously Just working out your ideal client, but also one of the first things we do on our like program our, that we're launching soon is literally let's let people know when they come across your social media what yeah. it is so they can see instantly like what it is that you do and how you help people and what, so that, what that's, that's, that's the big thing that's changed isn't it in a nutshell because previously you'd go to a networking meeting mm. and people would have to come over to you and say what well, what do you do then you can do that in a self-explanatory way now can't you by the way you yeah. show up your personal profiles on social media and you know your groups and your communities all need to be congruent they all need to be saying the same thing and now we're talking to people who've got you know, a 40 second attention span before they've moved on. If you haven't got time to hide it somewhere in all your copy, you've got to... They'll spend 40 seconds with you if they've been introduced or if you've said, go have a look at my profile. When they're scrolling across you in the news feed, it's like oh, yeah, yeah. three seconds, isn't it? Seconds, yeah. Exactly. Like you saying, because your background with marketing, where you had like, you know, millions of pounds of budget to spend and how different it is now with us. You don't need that money anymore, do you? You don't need to have TV adverts or, you know, yeah, actually yeah. get out there for free. But the amount of people that don't use the free that we've got is just I unbelievable. I, I, th I think you can you can get into high six figures, if not seven figures, or organically. Um, yeah. th there's, a, there's a place for ads, and we're, we're about to start experimenting with, with ads, actually. I finally yeah. find somebody I can, I think I can trust with an yeah. ad budget. We, yeah, we are about that. We've experimented in the, in the past with like not that much money, but we're about uh, to start ramping it up for our latest um, challenge. So, yeah, it's exciting. Who knows? It might not be exciting by the end of it, but uh, right now it's exciting. You never know. It's but exciting you, you, you do need to make sure that it works organically first, I think, anyway, because you're going to put a load of money into you know, or you can use a lot of money on social media, on digital marketing and get nowhere because you've not really, you're not clear on what you're doing yet. So it's always best to make sure people are coming to you organically and you can make money organically before you try and scale up, yeah. I'd say. People will check you out organically. We see ads all the time. I think, who are they? And you go and you have a look at them and see, look, you know, you don't just look at their website, which is the information they want to impart to you. You have a look at their social media profiles, which tell you a little bit more because it's got a load of history on there and you can't, you can't make up those connections and those recommendations and all things like that. So that's why it's so important. Mm. Yeah. So, no, I mean, so pr 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 proving what you do organically is, is essential, isn't it? From, uh, you know, b building a community of your ideal clients to actually working with a few of them and, and confirming what you believe about their challenges and their, their goals. Because mm -hmm. you can't talk about that stuff in an advert until you've actually proven it in. Exactly. Although they do. So you were living the dream, obviously, built a really successful business that then just went to nothing. What was your next business? What did you then move into? Um, so after bankruptcy, well, I, I, actually bankruptcy was was no more than a, a little bump in the road, actually, because after 2003, when I sold the business, I just became an accidental consultant, you know, working for as a gun for hire for, for anybody who'd have me kind of thing. In what area? In, in, well, in marketing and sales, yeah. marketing and sales. So I was being asked by some of the former clients, is what started it from the 
financial business to help them with their marketing, with their sales. So, you know, I got into exit strategy, planning and funding. I've raised a few million quid for small small companies. That's about the connections you make as you go through life, which now can be more online than offline, but it's just about um, how you influence people as you go through. They remember you and then they want you to work with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, it was about just, uh, just. I found myself for about 15 years agreeing to just work with anybody who'd have me, you know. And I, I had another renaissance, I guess, in about 2017, uh, where I just decided to look at some of these coaches and therapists and people online who were clearly making money, you know, by um, showing their marketing chops and, and selling programs and that kind of thing. And that's where my three pillars came from. I, I, I changed my life around by understanding that, you know, you've got to have a, a clear ability to describe what it is you do, what, what I call the outcome niche. And then you, you've got to understand who's best suited for it, you know, who your ideal client is. That's your client niche, if you like. So in that, there's two niches, isn't there? People talk about niching. It's actually the outcome niche and the client niche, what you're doing, who it's for. The third pillar that I, I discovered relatively late in life was productizing my services. You know, instead of just talking about hourly rates and day rates, you know, they, we all know business coaches who have day rates, you know. Yeah. 600 quid a day, 800 quid a day, whatever, you know. Mm. It's just silly that you're just swapping your time for money. There's no leverage, is there? Yeah. So what, once I understood that, you know, people like Frank Kern and, and you know, dozens of other coaches around the world are doing this with these three pillars in place um that's when i thought well I, I tell you what i've understood this i'm going to show other coaches how to do this now yeah. so but my tribe very quickly gathered pace i started talking all this common sense stuff i i, I guess you know it's predicated on the whole business career i've had but yeah. the, the, the the those three pillars sound like fairly new new age things you know the the, the client niche you know the outcome niche uh, productizing your services in a, in a deliverable program, you know, yeah. they're, they're fairly modern, I guess, aren't they? Unless yeah, I mean, it is. It's we <laughs> are in that world, so we kind of we're saying before, won't we? You need to like, oh, there's these people and these people, but we don't like we we assume everybody else knows about this world, but in actual fact, there's a lot of people in business that don't know about this online world and how things work and how how differently we can make money right now. So many people still do not realize that it's accessible and they too can do it. They just think, oh, I've seen that, but I'm not big enough yet or I'm not, you know, there yet. And it's actually, you, you are, you've just not. Yeah, the one-to-many model that can be on any business, you don't, you know, like cake makers can have a, a one-to-many model and things like that. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be an online coach or anything like that, do you? A lot of people say I'm not techie enough either. Well, actually, oh, actually, actually it's it's not about tech. I, I don't mm. think StreamYard and Zoom and Google Docs, that's not tech. That's just bloody common sense. You just push a button here and a yeah. button there. I'm the least techie person ever and I can do stuff like that. Couldn't switch my microphone on for the fifth time today, but I can manage to do that. But it's well, right because it, people say to us, oh, I'm too much of a tech dinosaur. Because I mean, a lot of people we work with are probably a little bit older than us. And we're like, mm-hmm. actually, do you know what? If you want, you used to not use email in your business, in your work life, and now you use it every single day. So yeah. you learn that. And social media isn't tech, is it? You know, social media is not tech. Once yeah. somebody shows you, once probably twice what the different but then you, you'll be able to do it well what what we do on this podcast we always ask uh, a couple of questions one of those questions is um that we ask to the people that come on our guest is what makes you savvy 
obviously we're the get savvy club so what makes you savvy and it can be in business life oh, it's, it's, just, it's just years of trying basically <laughs> never giving up never giving up not not um ne- never accepting that you know I, an ordinary life was what i was meant to lead um just en- enjoying the, the the roller coaster and always always believing that that something amazing is around the corner you know and, and part of this you make you making me think now about you know an attitude to competitors which tends to get people down when they look at somebody who's doing really well well that only ever motivates me because it just shows me what's possible yeah why not you yeah why not why not me if then why not me you know yeah. We, we, yeah. We, we all know people won't mention any names some some people have got really really big-headed about it and they're showing off every way and spinning off sub brands with their name on it just for an ego thing well yeah, that, that's especially fun. when you see them and you think they're not even that good. Yeah, I'm better than them. <laughs> yeah. just people like us, you know, the same yeah. number of cake holes and bum holes. Mm. I'm going. I'm going to quote you on that for our um, show notes. <laughs> we always give away a book to our listeners every every time we have a guest on, and it's the book that the guest recommends. So I have two. Of yeah, course, you like. So. I'm going to be. It's obvious, because we're going to have to buy two books. But yeah, be ego- egotistical. <laughs> so go on, go on Amazon. Well, it's yeah. not for ego. It's it's a, it's a, for, a it's for money. <laughs> position piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's the money that comes from people reading my book and then saying, "I've read your book, Johnny. Can we?" Read I've read it? your book, Johnny. Yeah, I've read you your book. You can just read a little bit, put it down, read so a bit it's more. Johnny X Marketing for those who are listening on the audio track only, and it's on on Amazon, and highly recommend it. So does everybody else. So here's a book which I definitely recommend. This man is a master, Seth Godin. This is marketing. I'd also like to delight you with the seven words on the back cover, which what made me buy this when I saw it in the bookshelf in Gatwick Airport. I just picked it up and I went, I love those seven words. Can you see that? Yeah. People like us do things like this. On the back cover, it says people like us do things like this. And and this just strikes at the heart of the tribe philosophy, doesn't it? You know, building a community of your ideal clients so that when somebody arrives cold, they look at it and they go, yeah, looks like something people like me do. People like me join. People like me yeah. work with Johnny. People like me work with Anna and Anita. You know, yeah. simple you get, but effective. You get yeah. that feel that you're talking to that person in everything you do, everywhere you show up. Then you then you've cracked it. Really love a bit of Seth. I remember he's how long has Seth been going? Like, so I that, did my uh, marketing. Isn't that my age? It's just been more successful. I did my marketing training. I did a postgraduate diploma in strategic marketing when I was like. 22 so you know 23 24 years ago and I learned about Seth Godin then and I remember when I saw him on something like 20 years later being gobsmacked that he was actually alive because I thought it's like you know you learn all about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and they're all like philosophers who've long since been dead and he is like this god isn't he and I thought oh he's just a real person because he's very very wise I used to I can't remember what job I had but one of the jobs that I had I used to get his daily uh, emails yeah. and, uh, yeah, and uh, probably the most annoying person to work with probably still am Anita you probably might agree <laughs> but like so I used to do no stand up and he used to say everybody shut up listen and then I would read out Seth's like that's thing, quite annoying go, that is quite annoying, that is quite annoying. well but she did uh, dramatic art, didn't she? Yeah, so I was just, you me, know. Me. I'm giving back. Yeah. I'm giving value. I'm helping them. They're not savvy enough to join that well, email. Shall, shall I leave you, as we're talking about Seth, shall I leave your listeners with Seth's amazing definition of marketing? 
Yes. Yes. So that's definition of marketing, is that he said marketing is the generous act of solving someone's problem. So that's what we that's what we all do here. Thank you very much, Johnny, for being here, for being a guest. Um, it's been brilliant, as we thought. And uh, yeah, we'll, well, no doubt we'll catch up with you soon. And we'll- One day, let's meet in the flesh. It's always virtual, isn't it? We will definitely have a coffee. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. I'm sure we'll all agree that was a brilliant episode with Johnny Cooper there. Really grateful that he's managed to jump on with us and do a podcast with us. It's always great, uh, especially when you know, you've know you known someone for many years and you've seen the journey that they've been through. They've seen the journey that you've been through. You might be listening to this real time. You might be listening to this in 2030. If you're listening to this in 2030, you're too late. What are you wearing? But, yeah, what's happening? Tell us. Yeah, what do you back, drive? Come back in a time machine and let us know. But if you are, you know, one of these uh, regular, one of our tribe that keep up to date with the podcast, we have got our information. Get more clients challenge starting on the 28th of September. And we have the link now for you to get involved and join. In the show notes, you'll find the link. Go join. It's a five-day challenge. It's epic. It's literally 30 minutes of your day uh, for five days, and you'll be able to get more clients into your business. So well worth joining. If it's 2030 or whatever, or even just if it is like October, October, November 2020, then you've missed the boat, um, uh, but you can still click that link because we've probably got uh, a wait list or something going on there. But thanks a lot for joining us and we'll see you next time. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.